Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese and Shinto traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. On top of the highest mountain in the newly created world, the young god Izanagi looked out at the stormy sea. In his arms were the burnt remains of his wife, the goddess Izanami, and in his heart was a bottomless pit of sorrow. Izanami, this is the most beautiful and dangerous place in the world we made. <laughs> Not as beautiful and dangerous as you, but close enough. You were always an adventurer, so I think it's only right that you rest here for eternity. You deserve that. <laughs> I don't know how I'll manage without you. Izanagi placed his wife's body in a freshly dug grave. He nodded, and a pile of soil slowly began to fill the pit. The soil was propelled by the forces of an earth kami, one of the many spirits Izanami had given birth to before her untimely demise. Izanagi swallowed back his tears as his wife's face disappeared beneath the soil. After she was buried, the worried Earth Kami approached her creator, Izanagi. Father, is there anything I can do to ease your suffering? Yes, my child. You can tell me where your brother is. The Fire Kami, Kagutsuchi. My sister, the wind, says that rascal's in the next island over, bothering the forest kami by seeing how many trees he can incinerate before they regrow them. He won't trouble us for much longer. Soon I will snuff out his flame forever. But you are our creator. You're supposed to keep us safe. I don't care. That devil child killed my wife, and now I must kill him. Izanagi was always the quiet, careful one, while the Elder Gods accused his wife Izanami of being too fiery and forward. Now she was gone, and Izanagi knew the best way to honor her was to take on her tenacity. So he stood tall, pulled his jeweled saber from its sheath, and headed off to avenge his fallen wife. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. Today, we'll follow the Japanese Shinto tale of the first couple to its dramatic, emotional conclusion. Last week, we met Izanagi and Izanami, two fledgling gods who fell in love while creating our world. This week, we'll follow Izanagi as he risks everything to rescue his wife from the land of the dead. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. With a dead-eyed gaze and a purposeful stride, Izanagi crossed one of the many islands under his purview. He followed the scent of burning wood until he arrived at one of the lush forests that he and his wife Izanami had created. This forest was ablaze, and the excitable fire kami Kagutsuchi leapt between the trees, shooting fireballs from his hands. Though his body was cloaked in dancing orange flame, the grin on the young Kami's face was as clear as day. Father? Oh, I'm so happy to see you! Hello, Kagutsuchi. Keeping busy, I see. So busy. I've taken down three forests today. I keep trying to burn the ocean, but for some reason, it only makes the water bubbly? Kagutsuchi, hush up and come to your father. The spirit skipped over, leaving a trail of fiery footsteps in his wake. He was eager and naive, and when Izanagi raised his jeweled saber, all the kami did was smile. Is this a new challenge? I bet I could melt your blade down in ten seconds or less, or fine, twenty. But only because I'm sort of new to all this. This is not a game, Kagutsuchi. You don't seem to realize your innocent little playtime is destroying the world we work so hard to create. Oh, but then my brother the rain puts out the fires, and my sister the earth grows new trees. This is just, well, it's my nature. And do you realize your nature killed your mother? But... You burned her to a crisp as you leapt from her womb. So you'll forgive me if I'm not in the mood for games. Father, I didn't know. Well, son, now you do. Izanagi decapitated the fire kami with his jeweled blade. As soon as his vengeful act was complete, Izanagi fell to his knees and wept. But the grief-stricken god's troubles were far from over. His body convulsed in pain, pain he had never felt before. Suddenly, his tears seemed to take on a life of their own as they dropped from his eyes and transformed into water kami. A stunned Izanagi realized that he was giving birth. Without the help of a wife or co-creator, it was a powerful gift, but in his devastated state, the gift spiraled out of control and turned into a curse. At first, the new water kami put out the fires, but then the forest began to flood. Izanagi reached out to stop them, and several lightning kami were born from his fingers. In an instant, the waterlogged forest was suddenly on fire again. No! Stop! A snow kami formed from the spittle on Izanagi's lips, and soon the island was caught between a blistering inferno and a bone-chilling blizzard. Izanagi suddenly understood how torturous it had been for Izanami to give rise to the world, which only made him weep harder. There was no way he could control creation on his own. As he took in the magnitude of the chaos he had created, a booming voice echoed across the sky. Izanagi! 
What have you done? Izanagi was enveloped in a bright light and found himself in the hall of the great elder god, Omodaru. Izanagi, come to your senses and control this chaos. Izanami's death was, well, unfortunate, of course, but you mustn't let it be in vain. Everything is in vain without her by my side. Revive her, Omodaru. You're a god, and so was she. There must be some way. You pitiful fool. Can't you see that Izanami has served her purpose? She was just the vessel for the world, and now you must rule it. I'm quite confident you have the strength to do it alone. I have the strength, but I have lost the will. Let creation burn for all I care. Izanagi, you are disobeying a direct order from your elder god. You were always an obedient apprentice, but this infatuation with Izanami has made you reckless. Maybe so, but I won't lift a finger to help until you bring her back. I'm afraid I cannot. Then there is nothing left for us to discuss. Farewell. I cannot, because only you can. What? Hmm. Izanami's spirit is in Yomi, the land of the dead. Where is that? Why have I never heard of it? Eons ago, when the heavens and the earth separated, a third plane of existence was created. That is Yomi. A lifeless purgatory where all who perish go to rot, and where dark forces beyond our control reign supreme. How do I get there? Sail out onto the seas and follow the trail of the world's waste. It will lead you into Yomi. If you are lucky, Izanami's spirit will still be fresh enough to return to the world above. But be warned, if she has eaten the fruit that grows there, she will be trapped forever and this quest will only bring you more pain. I couldn't be in any more pain than I am now. Oh, my child, I fear you'll live to regret that statement, if you live at all. Izanagi returned to the world below and conjured a rickety boat. He sailed out past the islands that he and Izanami had created. The chaos that erupted after Kagutsuchi's death had spread across every one of them. But Izanagi kept his gaze fixed straight ahead. All of this would be made right once Izanami was at his side. He followed a current of foul sea foam and rotten seaweed out into open water, farther than anyone had been before. Soon he felt the ocean slope downwards. Izanagi realized he was heading toward a massive, turbulent whirlpool. The water was brown and reeked of sulfur, and the wind shrieked a warning to stay away. This was the entrance to Yomi, and it was about to swallow him whole. As his boat spun faster and faster around the edge of the whirlpool's rim, Izanagi looked over the edge. Though fear gripped his heart tight, he smiled anyway. I'll see you soon, my love. Then he closed his eyes and held his breath as his boat tumbled into the abyss. Next, Izanagi reunites with a very different Izanami in the land of the dead. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. 
but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. After the death of his wife, Izanami, the young god Izanagi threatened to abandon his duties as a ruler of the New World unless she was resurrected. The elder god Omodaru revealed the location of Yomi, the land of the dead, and warned that if Izanami ate anything there, Izanagi would not be able to bring her back. Izanagi raced to the ends of the earth to find the entrance to Yomi, while in the land of the dead, his wife Izanami awoke to embark on her own strange journey. Izanami's eyes burst open. She knew she was dead, and yet she felt alive. The first thing she sensed was a trickle of water rushing past her face, and the first thing she saw was a dark, yellow-gray sky. She sat up and took in the land of Yomi, in all of its dark splendor. While the world above was a small bunch of islands surrounded by an ocean, Yomi was a vast landscape of barren mountains and craggy valleys. The only water was a shallow, mustard-colored river that crisscrossed the terrain, which Izanami was currently sitting in. And yet, there were parts that felt familiar. Izanami couldn't believe her eyes when she saw an entire forest materialize on a nearby mountain. Though the trees were scorched and smoking, she knew they were ones she had created in the world above. She wondered what had happened to them, and suddenly her mind was flooded with memories of her own fiery death. Izanami couldn't bear to see her creations suffer, so she raised her hands out. In moments, the smoke swirling around them disappeared. The wood hardened into stone, and the dead branches reached out into the sky. The trees looked nothing like they did in the world above, but they had a new, haunting beauty. This transformation excited Izanami, but her joy soured when she saw her outstretched hands. Her skin had an odd gray tinge and was dotted with purplish bruises. Izanami worried that death had marred her beauty, then felt sheepish that it mattered to her so much. With trepidation, she turned to look at her reflection in the river's waters. But before she could see, she was distracted by an eerie new sound. A voice called out from a nearby mountain. Izanami stood and saw the mountain was actually a crumbling fortress. A faint yellow light glowed from the windows that dotted the fortress's side. Izanami couldn't deny it. She was drawn to that place. She laughed to herself. <laughs> well, you wanted an adventure. An excited Izanami set off toward the fortress but she stopped when a hunger pang pierced her belly. She realized she was ravenous. Izanami looked around and saw a bunch of purple-black grapes growing on a lone bush. She grabbed a handful and popped one in her mouth. 
As sweet juice exploded across her tongue, Izanami couldn't help but smile. They were tasty. Izanami then set off on her journey to the foreboding fortress, completely unaware that she had eaten the fruit of Yomi and was now trapped there forever. After a long climb, Izanami entered the fortress. She felt winded and weak, but she chalked it up to exhaustion and focused on her new surroundings. Though it was dark, dim light from the windows illuminated a long, weathered table and a few chairs. It was dilapidated, but it reminded Izanami of the palace Izanagi had built for her on the Isle of Onogoro. Images of her husband raced through her mind, and Izanami couldn't quite tell what she was feeling. Was it longing? Fury? Both? Before she could fret any further, the sound of a distant footstep distracted her. Hello? Is uh, anyone in here? In here. The voice came from a door at the end of the hall. Izanami walked to the entrance and peered into the next room. It was pitch black, even darker than the first chamber, save for the outline of another doorway on the other end of the room. A shadowy figure stood in that doorway and stared back at Izanami. Greetings. Uh, Are you the Kami of this realm? I sense great power. I sense great power. Well, I am a god too, albeit a dead one. Is it alright if I approach? Approach. Izanami took halting steps across the room as the figure loomed larger. Her eyes adjusted to the dark, and she finally got a good look at who was welcoming her. If she weren't already dead, what she saw would have scared the life out of her. (gasps) Meanwhile, Izanagi awoke in the shattered remains of his boat. He was at the bottom of a dark pit, where the walls trickled with foul water. Faint rays of sun shone down from an opening far above his head, but Izanagi had no idea how he'd get back up to the world of the living once his mission was complete. As he surveyed the pit, he was surprised to see a kami in the form of a half-dead peach tree growing out of the mud. It was as tall as his chest, and its branches were barren except for one. That lone branch had contorted itself to grow under the sun's rays. It was the only one with leaves on it, and it bore a small peach. Izanagi remembered Omodaru's warning about eating fruit in Yomi, and he knew this was the last surface world food he'd find. So he snapped the peach off and put it in his pocket for later. He then felt guilty as he watched the branch wither slightly before his eyes. While the tree's suffering was undeniable, Izanagi had a wife to save and no time to waste, so he turned away to venture through an opening on the side of the pit into the land of the dead. Izanagi trudged through a valley until he saw something blocking his way, a small figure made of black smoke. It was his son, Kagutsuchi, the fire kami, or what was left of him. The slain spirit cradled his severed head in his arms. Kagutsuchi? 
A strange smile bloomed across the spirit's severed head, and Izanami slowed his pace. He had no idea if the smile was friendly or malicious. When the kami stepped forward, Izanami stumbled back. Stay away! Izanagi's impulsive reaction clearly offended his son. The smile disappeared from Kagutsuchi's head, and then he leapt at his father and turned into a billowing cloud of soot and ash. <coughs> Izanagi ran through the cloud, then collapsed on the ground and tried his hardest to spit all the soot from his mouth. After recovering, he looked up to see he was at the base of a towering fortress. Hello? A figure appeared in one of the windows. Though it was far away and he couldn't see very clearly, Izanagi knew it was his fallen bride. Izanami, is it really you? How did you find me? Let me come up and tell you all about it. Oh, I can't wait to see you. Izanami nodded and disappeared from the window. Izanagi felt unnerved. His wife didn't seem like her usual exuberant self. There was no telling what the poor woman had been through in this terrible, lonely place. With that dark thought, Izanagi began to scale the steep mountain. Izanagi finally got to the fortress's imposing gates. He took a deep breath, then pulled a wooden comb from his pocket and ran it through his hair. He wanted to look extra handsome for this reunion. As Izanagi entered the Great Hall, Izanami stepped out of the shadows. She wore a heavy robe, and a long shawl hid her beautiful face and flowing hair. Izanagi rushed to hug her, but she backed away. Don't. What's wrong? I've longed for your embrace ever since... I have too. I'm just a little sore from... well, exploding. Oh, of course. How silly of me. Come and sit. We can catch up while I catch my breath. Izanami led him to the table where they both sat. Izanagi was surprised and troubled to see she had chosen a seat so far away from his. Her breath rasped, her hands trembled, and she seemed tense and distant. In their early days, the pair couldn't go a few seconds without bickering or joking, but now they sat in silence and tried hard to pretend that things weren't different. It's so dark in here. I can't even see your face. <laughs> if I can't touch you, at least let me gaze upon your beauty. I can conjure up a torch. Uh, no. The gods here do not allow any kind of light from the world above. So there are gods here? Uh, yes. And they're watching us closely, so behave. Are you hungry? I'm famished. Izanami grabbed a dusty plate from the table and pulled a handkerchief full of berries from her robe. Several of them plopped onto the plate, and Izanami eagerly lifted one to her mouth. Stop! Izanagi smacked the berry from his wife's hand and tossed the plate away. He fell back into his chair, relieved. But Izanami just stared at him with eerie calm. Why did you do that? Omodaru said that once you consume the forbidden fruit of Yomi, you won't ever be able to leave. I'm trying to save you. Izanagi, I've already eaten the fruit here. It was the first thing I did. 
What? <sighs> if I must stay, then I suppose that is the way of things in Yomi. I don't accept that. And neither should you. It's not fair. Oh? I've never known you to fight against the way of things. What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. It's just... You've changed. How can you be so calm? Hisanami, we need to get you back to the surface. I broke the rules and challenged Omodaru himself, all to come and see you. I've caused a catastrophe and even killed the Kami who burned you alive. You what? I gave my life so that child could live. Have you really made my sacrifice meaningless? I know I've made mistakes. But there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders, and I can't bear it without your support. You bring me the beauty and balance I need to control the Kami. And trust me, I certainly can't stand the pains of birth the way you can. Oh, so that's it? You want a pretty receptacle who tells you you're strong and then does all the dirty work, just like Omodaru commands? Well, Izanagi, I lived that life. That's not what I... Uh... You're twisting my words, Izanami. Or someone is twisting your mind. I just want you back in the world because I love you. Love and need are two different things. Izanami went to the window and stared out. Her husband walked up and reached for her shoulder. She tensed up, so he put his hand down. I misspoke. Look, I'll beg the gods of Yomi myself for your release. They'll listen to me. I'm the most powerful god on the earthly plane. No. I'll ask them myself. Do nothing until I return. Izanagi shuffled to the table and sat, determined to appease his wife. Izanami sighed and walked to the door at the end of the hall. She opened it, and the other chamber's darkness swallowed her up. Izanagi took a deep breath. The past few days had turned him from a man of reticence to a man of action, and sitting still was now a struggle. Once again, it seemed Izanami's fate was out of his control, and Izanagi didn't like the feeling. But he loved his wife, so he vowed to wait. It would be the longest wait of his life. Next, Izanami meets the gods of Yomi, and the first couple has their worst fight. Now, back to the story. Izanami traveled to Yomi, the land of the dead, to rescue his wife, Izanami. However, he learned that Izanami had eaten the fruit of Yomi and was trapped there forever. After Izanagi's pleas, Izanami promised to beg the gods of Yomi for freedom, but only if he vowed to wait patiently. Izanagi sat in the fortress hall for hours. His eyes were glued to the door to the next chamber, where Izanami was speaking to the gods of Yomi. He wondered what was taking so long, and whether Izanami was a strong enough negotiator. Izanagi struggled with these sudden negative thoughts. Izanami had always been the brave and stubborn one, so why would he doubt her now? Then again, Omodaru had given the jeweled spear to Izanagi because he was wiser. Izanagi reassured himself. 
His wife needed him to balance her out and see things through, and so he broke his promise to Izanami and walked to the dark chamber. Izanagi stepped inside. The only thing he could see was the doorway on the other side of the room and the shadowy figure silhouetted within it. Izanami? Izanami. Yes, I'm searching for her. I am the great god Izanagi, he who invites. And I've come to ensure that her freedom isn't denied. Her freedom isn't denied. So she doesn't have to stay here? Stay here. Oh, I have no time for your riddles. Izanagi unsheathed his sword and stormed toward the dark figure. He held the weapon out with the full intent of stabbing the god of Yomi. And that's when Izanagi realized the doorway was actually a mirror and the shadowy figure was simply his own reflection. There was no mysterious god here. Izanagi's heart hardened with rage and he smashed the mirror with his sword. It was then that Izanagi sensed Izanami, sitting on the ground and cloaked in darkness. Izanami, there are no gods here but us. Did you lie to me? I... I just needed time to think. Even if I could, I don't know if I want to go home. Why wouldn't you? Up there, you were loved and needed. And in Yomi, I am free. When I came in here... I saw myself in that mirror, heard myself in the whispers that echoed, and it was the first time I didn't have anyone else's voice in my head giving me orders or scolding me for being who I am. It feels good, Izanagi. It feels like home. This is madness. There are dark forces warping your mind and it's time to fight them with light. Izanagi wanted to look his wife in the eyes and talk some sense into her, so he pulled the comb from his robe and gripped it, until sparks danced across its teeth. Izanagi, no! The wooden comb lit up like a torch, and for the first time since her death, Izanagi saw Izanami clearly. It chilled his soul and broke his heart, Her face was a mottled gray color, her head was half bald, and her once lovely flesh was rotting. But the saddest sight was Izanami's eyes, because they hadn't changed at all. They were still the ones he'd fallen in love with. What happened to you? I was trying to spare you the sight, but I suppose I was delaying the inevitable. I'm dead, Izanagi, and I belong here now. But maybe you do too. Stay here with me. We don't have to live under Omodaru's unreasonable edicts. We can just forget everything and start over, together and equal and free. Izanagi considered her offer. A small part of him wanted to say yes, but a significantly larger part wanted to vomit at the sight of his rotting wife. Of course, Izanami sensed that immediately. But I'm not who you want anymore, am I? 
No, your disgust is plain to see. I don't think it's wrong to wish my wife weren't a maggot-ridden corpse. <laughs> Finally, some honesty. Well, if it's a pretty little Izanami you want, then here, have as many as you can stand. Izanami ripped a chunk of flesh from her cheek and threw it to the ground. The flesh tore itself into eight separate pieces, and each grew into an identical version of Izanami at her loveliest. Though the doppelgangers were beautiful, their eyes were pitch black. They closed in around a bewildered Izanami and reached out to grip his body with lusty hunger. What a handsome young man I see before me. Izanagi, I need your strength. Use your mighty spear. Fill me with godliness so that I may rip open and deliver you a new world. Their hunger overwhelmed Izanagi, but it also reminded him of the peach in his pocket. If fruit from Yomi was harmful to the living, then maybe living fruit was harmful to the demonic denizens of Yomi. Izanagi tossed the peach at the doppelgangers. They dove down and fought for it, eager for sustenance. As they chewed the peach apart, the doubles began to choke. <coughs> Knowing this was his chance, Izanagi bolted from the fortress. This filled Izanami with shame and fury, and lightning crackled through her arms. She was imbued with immense power, and she would use it to punish her foolish husband. Izanagi ran through a valley, looking for the entrance to the pit he woke up in. Though his boat was destroyed, he hoped he could climb back up to the surface. Izanagi looked back and saw Izanami in the distance. She soared through the air, carried by lightning, her robes whipping about in the wind. It was terrifying and awe-inspiring, as Izanagi had never seen his wife look so wild and free. He shook himself from his stupor, then scrambled until he found the narrow passage to the pit. He slipped inside and prayed Izanami hadn't seen him. Izanagi limped into the pit and looked up at the sunlight that shone from above. He scanned the rocky walls for an outcropping low enough to climb, but they were all beyond his reach. He tried to use his godly strength to launch himself up, but that didn't work either. The darkness of Yomi had dulled his powers. Time was running out. Izanagi turned to the half-dead peach tree that grew in the pit. If he could climb it, he might be able to reach an outcropping and escape. Izanagi gripped the tree's lone, healthy branch and pulled himself up. But he was too heavy. The branch began to bend and crack, and its leaves shuddered in pain. Izanagi was instantly overwhelmed by the tree kami's suffering. It was in much worse shape than he was, and he couldn't bear to cause anyone or anything more harm. So he let go and fell into the mud. Izanagi knew all hope was lost for him, so he became consumed by the idea of saving the tree instead. With manic focus, he tried to straighten out the branch. A crackle of lightning burned a few leaves off the tree. 
Izanagi turned in shock to see Izanami behind him. She floated above the mud with eyes full of hatred. Izanami, please, do what you want to me, but don't harm the tree. <laughs> How noble. Such a shame I had to die to make you a caring father. Izanami advanced, ready to strike. Izanagi was ready to defend the tree, so he pulled out his sword and prepared to thrust it into his wife's rotting chest. Then a black cloud filled the pit. It was the slain fire kami Kagutsuchi. The spirit circled Izanagi's sword, and within seconds, the blade turned to ashes. Izanagi stared with fear as the little smoke spirit circled his mother protectively. Izanami, on the other hand, was curious. She didn't recognize this spirit, but something about him felt so familiar. It's Kagutsuchi, the kami that killed you, and who I killed. Izanami looked down at the smoky creature who had ended her life and saved her afterlife. Kagutsuchi cradled his severed head in his hands, and his eyes looked up at her with deep regret. It was impossible to be angry at him. So Izanami hugged the kami close, and he swirled around her with joy. Then she looked back to Izanagi and saw him with new eyes. Her husband tended to the tree kami, trying in vain to fix its half-broken branches. His worry seemed genuine, and her cold heart warmed over with forgiveness. I suppose that little tree has a pretty good father after all. And that Kami has one tough mother. But the tree won't survive here. Not with this foul water running through its roots. I can help with that. Izanami waved her hand, and the mud evaporated to reveal the tree's rotting roots. Izanagi's heart ached with sadness, and tears rolled from his eyes onto the roots. Not too long ago, those same tears had caused a flood that nearly destroyed an island. Izanagi couldn't control his powers then, but now he knew he had to. He calmed himself, and his tears turned into a steady stream of pure, fresh water. The peach tree's roots quivered in thanks, and soon it began to grow. Izanagi watched with excitement, but it was bittersweet for Izanami. That tree will carry you up and out of here. Hop on a branch before it's too late. I don't suppose you'll come with me. No, but if it helps, remember me the way I was. I know how happy you were back then. I was, but I never realized how unhappy you were. Or maybe I saw how Omodaru stifled you and just went along with it because it was easy. Because you handled the pain of creation better than I could. But now it's time for me to be responsible. Even if I have no idea how I'll keep all of creation alive. You won't. Everything dies eventually, my love. Even goddesses. But I'll see to it that the dead find a safe haven here, in Yomi, with me. And I'll keep the balance by creating more creatures to keep our world growing. 
Farewell, my love. Izanagi turned to the tree and realized with horror that it had already grown too tall for him to grip onto a branch. He turned back to Izanami in a panic. It's too late! Izanami shook her head and decided to help her husband one last time. She pulled the long shawl from her head and tossed it at the tree. One end clung tight around the lowest branch, and the other dangled down toward Izanagi. A grateful Izanagi jumped up to grab hold of it and was lifted up. He looked down at Izanami with a sad smile, and she held his gaze. Her lifelong companion looked a bit silly dangling from the tree, but his newfound maturity thrilled her. Izanami remembered how happy she was on their wedding night, and she couldn't help but shout out to him. What a handsome young man I see before me! And what a powerful goddess of Yomi I see before me! Izanami laughed. He was supposed to call her beautiful, but she liked being called powerful even more. She waved goodbye to Izanagi, then floated off to explore her new home with her son, Kagutsuchi. Izanagi clung to the peach tree, which grew taller and mightier. Soon, he rose out of the pit into the bright sun of the surface world, and the tree's trunk grew so thick that it sealed the pit shut. Izanagi hopped down from the tree and started walking. He passed a tranquil pond and saw his reflection in it. He was covered in dirt and mud. Izanagi couldn't stand the sight, so he dove into the pool to purify himself. Izanagi used Izanami's shawl to wash off the dirt and grime of Yomi. As he carefully scrubbed his eyes, ears, nose, and mouth, he felt rejuvenated and ready to try his hand at creation. He clutched Izanami's shawl and felt her comforting presence in his heart. He focused all his energy on it, and for the first time, the pain of creation was far outweighed by the joy that came with it. The shawl floated into the air and glowed with divine energy as something took shape within it. When it settled on the ground, Izanagi realized he'd created a little girl with wide eyes and skin that sparkled in the sun. Though she'd only been born seconds ago, the girl eagerly dug her fingers into the soil, already so curious about the world, just like her mother, Izanami. Izanagi smiled. He knew he would make this daughter his successor one day, no matter what Omodaru had to say. And at long last, a goddess would rule the world. That daughter grew up to become Amaterasu, the most powerful being to reign over heaven and earth. Izanagi happily took a back seat and busied himself with creating and protecting the world's creatures, nourishing them until they thrived. But all his creations had to die someday, and when they did, they crossed the border and drifted to Yomi, into the loving arms of their mother, Izanami. The tale of the first couple parallels many other myths about tragic couples, like Adam and Eve, Orpheus and Eurydice, or Hades and Persephone. 
However, it's also a uniquely Japanese tale that tells us a lot about the society that recorded the story in their sacred Kojiki text. In ancient Japan, gender roles were strict. Men were expected to lead, and women had to follow. When Izanami asserts her free will in the land of the living, she suffers terrible consequences, and the fate of the world hangs in the balance. When she finally does gain agency and independence, it comes at the cost of her marriage, her beauty, and her earthly existence. That message may not be a comforting one today, but it is worth noting that both Izanagi and Izanami end their story in equal positions of power. While their marriage was destined to fall apart, the ex-lovers remained forever linked. Izanami and Izanagi have come to represent the eternal balance between life and death, and the world as we know it would not exist without them. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the first couple, amongst the many sources we used, we found Gustav Helt's translation of The Kojiki to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, K.G. Tang, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson